Hey, before we get started with today's episode, I just want to quickly let you know that if you DM me the word audit on Instagram, that's at Ken Westgar, we'll do a quick 15-minute audit of your launch. And by the end of the audit, you'll know exactly where to put your focus in order to grow and scale your next launch. So like I said, DM me the word audit on Instagram, and I'll talk to you soon. Have you ever launched and got nothing but crickets? Or maybe you're on an emotional roller coaster of highs and lows. Well, it really doesn't matter. Hi, my name is Ken Westgar, and I help online coaches grow and scale their businesses with fun and simple money-making launches. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to run an online business and how you can bring back the fun and simplicity to your launches. You'll get tons of valuable insights and fun stories highlighting the dramatic ups, downs, failures, and success of being in launch mode to make sure you're comfortable and get ready to bench. Welcome to the Oh My God on Launch Podcast. All right. Thank you so much for listening in to today's episode. Um, today, I have another guest with me, and today is Moshe, uh, who is a law, not, not law, lawyer, uh, and he works for profit in particular. But um, welcome, Moshe, and I would love for you to just uh, give us a brief introduction. Well, hi, Ken. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Um, but... I need to retract your statement. I'm not a lawyer. Nope. I work with lawyers. Uh, my background lawyers. is in accounting. There you go. <laughs> and, um, you know, so so I started an accounting firm and uh, through a couple of detours, ended up working directly with, with law firms and realized that there was a need in, the, in that specific market uh, where there was a lot of my clients had beautiful firms. I mean, you walked in the door and, and, you know, they had the signage, they had the receptionist up front with the big smile on her face and they had staff and they, you know, and they had people coming in and signing up, working cases through them. But behind the scenes, their finances were in shambles. They were literally Mm -hmm. moving personal funds in to cover payroll, cover rent. And when I had, you know, four, of these clients out of five law firm clients that I, that I had um, at the, at the time I realized, you know, there's something's broken in the system, right? It's not, they can't all be, I, I don't, you know, what's the wording like dumb when it comes to business, but the reality, I mean, these are well-educated, smart people, right? But the reality is, is that business doesn't come naturally to everybody. Yeah. And um, you know, what, what, what I found is is that they they you know they don't understand the the business equation and they really need help with navigating that and and projecting profitability and uh, being purposeful with the actions that they're taking uh, and it's really like that in any industry where you know somebody knows oh I need to get clients I need to charge clients and I also need to build my team and build my systems and my software and all that but if you don't have a cohesive plan of how is this all going to come together into a profitable formula, um, then ultimately you end up doing all the things, but you have nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just first apologize <laughs> for calling you a lawyer, but I don't know. For some reason, I always thought you were a lawyer. I don't know why, but you know, there we go. But thank you I for correcting me. I give off that <laughs> sense, right? Like, uh, <laughs> But it's accountants and lawyers are very similar, right? We're we're both yeah. helping clients within the confines of a legal framework, um, so uh, mm-hmm. it is it is very common for for me to get that uh, that that mistaken identity, especially since my brand is profit with law. So people mm-hmm. automatically assume. What's interesting is is that the fact that I'm not a lawyer is one of my differentiating 
um, factors that I lead into the market with. There's so many coaches out there that help law firm owners with their growth that are attorneys mm-hmm. who have achieved a certain level of success. And they say, well, if I achieve this level of success, then, um, then I, um, I can help you do the same. And mm-hmm. what, you know, what I tell the market is, look, what worked for that one doesn't necessarily work for you. And what I do is, is I help you with, understanding how business operates and getting good habits around business operations, planning, being very purposeful with what you're doing. And by doing that and executing on that plan, you're setting yourself up for success. So it's really, you know, one of the things I hang my hat on is the fact that I'm not a lawyer. And that's why Mm -hmm. you should listen to me as opposed to perhaps other other voices in the arena. Yeah, exactly. I love that you said that, um, you know, what worked for that person doesn't necessarily mean that it works for another uh, law firm or another lawyer um, because that goes into any kind of business that you're doing. I mean, that's what we're seeing out in the online industry today is that people look to up to these experts and they think, oh, they did this. I just need to copy that and, you know, I'll have the same success. But obviously it's not like that at all. And you're the proof of that. Yeah, you know, it's in, the online industry is a very interesting example to use because the online business model is so um, it's so centered around the marketing itself. Like how you sell and position your product up front is how you make a successful online business. Mm-hmm. That it's almost you can if you're successful, you almost can't outspend the revenue coming in. Right. There's because you're selling a widget that doesn't require more effort the more times that you sell it, uh, unless you're a coach and and they're getting your time. Uh, But if you're selling a course or a membership or something like that, there's very little incremental cost to handle to handle more clients. Um, Mm -hmm. So that is a very interesting business model where uniquely um, the name of the game is being able to get your messaging right, have the right launch be able to attract your crowd the right way. And that's why you find most of the coaches out there that are teaching people how to build those kind, that kind of business are people who have done it before because mm-hmm. that's exactly what you need in that business. Uh, in most other traditional businesses, it's not the case. You're not going to get this meteoric success rise by selling more of what you have exclusively. Uh, you know, if you have yeah. a landscaping business, the moment you get more clients than one truck can serve, you need to buy another truck and hire another crew. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, uh, and the same thing that's going to take right? a chunk of your money. So, <laughs> right. And the, and, and the same thing in law, right? It, the moment that mm-hmm. one attorney is full, they can't take not one more case until you hire another attorney. So uh, your inventory is something that, that, the expense grows as the business grows. So it's it's inter- a really interesting phenomenon because initially when I started my accounting practice, I first targeted online businesses. I had been listening to Pat Flynn and John Lee Dumas mm-hmm. and um, Amy Porterfield and Michael Hyatt back in the day when, when um, uh, I was a podcast listener back in the day when you had to download the podcast episodes mm-hmm. into the iTunes software and then sync it with your iPod. In order to in order to listen to it, 
Um, and those were the people I was listening to. So I kind of like, I was like, you know, I really know this crowd. Like I understand their business and I want to go out and serve them. And what's interesting mm-hmm. is, is that it's so much of what I just portrayed that there were only two camps of clients. There were either the people who haven't made it yet and therefore mm-hmm. are struggling, can't afford to hire an accountant and not, not my ideal clientele. Or... Mm-hmm they already achieved success. That moment in between building the business, figuring it out and and plowing through and being unsuccessful to the moment of success where all of a sudden you're a multi-million dollar business, that is such is such a rapid leap and jump that it usually happens within one year and mm-hmm. maybe two years. And people are left scrambling at the end of the year. Well, oh my gosh, I had this amazing year and now I've got to do my taxes. And you know, I can't go to TurboTax. I need to actually hire a professional. And what are they doing? They're going to somebody else in their network that's already achieved that level of success and saying, hey, do you have a recommendation for me? So mm-hmm. if, if unless you get your foot in the door and get known um, to that specific arena of people, it's almost impossible to, to pick up those clients. I, only, I was only successful in finding one client that I got right while she was on her meteoric rise. So when she engaged me, she was just starting to achieve success. And we went mm-hmm. and I was with her as she went from struggling to I have more money than God. Right. Um, right. And, you know, so it's very, it's a very interesting phenomenon. And, and it, it didn't last very long. I, I, I was serving that market from 2017 to 2019 um, when I when I decided to make that pivot and to serve uh, law firm owners. And, um, you know, we're, you and I are in the same coaching organization and uh, James, James Wedmore is, is my business coach. And, you know, I, it was, it was on a coaching call or in a hot seat at one of his events that, you know, I shared that I had gotten these clients and I didn't know if this was like my ideal client was the person that I was supposed to work with. And it was at, Mm -hmm. there was an in-person event that we did and there was um, a person he brought in, Emily Ahrens. Emily Ahrens does uh, visualization exercises or visual visualization meditation um, with her clients, and she specifically serves the the online community. Um, and she is a genius at what she does. Now, I was this you know accountant guy, never meditated in my life, and here comes this lady who's telling us to close our eyes, take a deep breath, starts taking us through this visualization exercise, and I almost didn't play along with it. I almost was like so resistant to it that I didn't do mm-hmm. it. But I decided, hey, I'm here. Let me just follow. Let me just do. And um, and she took us through this visualization that she calls your 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 um, what was the terminology for it? Your uh, it, it was it was your ideal client, but it, but she had a, a much better terminology for it. Uh, right. Uh, you it when two when a couple gets together and they're like the perfect match. What do we call it? I'm asking because no. you're going to help me. Remember. Perfect, perfect match. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not sure. It'll come. To, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Yeah. I will remember, no, and it's... I will go back to it, and I will, I, and I will tell you guys what it was called. But anyway, I went through this visualization exercise, and what was crazy is, is that I thought that my ideal client was, uh, was a guy was somebody in the online industry and I w- came into this field 
and I sat down and I was having a beer and this person joined me and started talking to me and, and we talking about her business and it was a female and she was an attorney. And it was in that moment or, or at the end of that exercise that I, that I realized that, and, and, and I, I don't know how visualizations work and, you know, is it divine intervention? Is it what your brain has mm -hmm. already decided and you just haven't accessed it? Um, but it was in that moment that I decided to go all in on, on law firms and to be myself because so much of the legal space is very masculine and very like mm -hmm. competitive guy competitive. And that's not my personality, which was part of why I was resistant to, to, to join the space. And I came into the space as this loving dad who's prioritizing his family over his business. And I'm going to tell lawyers how to be successful. And I started my podcast in March of 2019, and we have um, over 300,000 downloads. We've released over 300 episodes, um, and wow. you know, and just stuck with it. And it really uh, it it developed into more. You know, the brand kicked off off of the off of the podcast. Uh, so mm -hmm. much of what I did after that was because of the connections I made through podcast interviews and things like that. Uh, in December of 2019, I hosted a online conference, the Law Firm Growth Summit, and that came about through multiple conversations with people who I had interviewed on the podcast where I, I found out that in the legal industry, um, the way that lawyers gain their knowledge is by going to conferences. The problem is, is that all these conferences are about the legal side of it. And there's yep. a class thrown in here, a talk thrown in there that has to do with business development. But mm -hmm. there's no, there really wasn't a conference except for, I mean, there are conferences hosted by software companies. Like Clio is the big practice management software company in the legal industry. They have a conference called ClioCon. And that's more mm -hmm. directed towards the, the, the success of the business and the systems and processes and how you're implementing technology. Um, but really, there wasn't a, a, a agnostic conference out there that's specifically about business growth. And the other thing that really bothered me was that if somebody can't separate themselves from their office to attend a conference, they can't get on a plane because they've got young kids, because they've got a spouse who is not who won't put up with that. They're they're out of luck. So what I decided was I'm going to host a virtual conference. It's going to be exclusively on business growth, nice. and I'm going to bring in everybody that I can find that's in this industry talking to these people and just bring all these experts together. We had over 35 mm -hmm. speakers at our first event in December of 2019. And wow. we registered over 2,300 law firm owners to that event. That's awesome. And it was really what catapulted my coaching business. And, you know, I thought I was growing an accounting, an accounting practice. And then I ran this event. <laughs> exactly. And then people wanted to know what's next. And then COVID happened. And, and when COVID started, people were left scrambling, trying to figure out what are they going to do. So I started a membership, really inexpensive. I, I started at $27 a month, uh, ultimately ended up going up to $97 a month. And then I ended up shutting it down. Um, but it was born out of having this tribe that I now, you know, I had a, had a voice into and I had an ear to hear them. And I was listening to the confusion and not, not knowing what's next. And I wanted to create a, a, a place where they can be supported. Um, and, and, you know, and uh, the, the group coaching program that I run was, came out of yet another, 
you know what and this is really making the case for you got to have a coach right and and mm-hmm. I, I know that there are people listening to this podcast who you're you're a coach right but you have to have a coach that you go to you have to have somebody's world that you're in to really help you work through these things because it was right in front of me and I didn't see it. I couldn't, you know, I was, I was trying to do these one-on-one coach, you know, one-on-one coaching arrangements, which was not scalable. And I, yeah. I went to a mastermind in Sedona, Arizona with, with James Wedmore and I sat in this hot seat and I, and, and really I thought I was asking a question about pricing my services, right? I was asking, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wanted to know, am I not getting people because I'm charging too much? Right. And it was it was one of the best hot seats I've ever received. And in that conversation, really what we determined what 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 he helped me see was that I needed to play around with a group coaching program. And that group coaching program is my business today. Um it's just incredible. And, <laughs> just from a question about pricing. <laughs> right, exactly. And we went to, um, I started it at 5800 and I still was so uncomfortable with that that I discounted it, right? I gave people mm-hmm. a fast-acting discount if they made a decision yeah. right away. So, so my first group of people were coming in were for $4,500 for a 90-day program, and then I was offering for them to continue after that. Today, mm-hmm. I charge $21,000, and I don't offer the 90-day anymore. It's 12 months. Wow. And, you awesome. know, it. And you can do the math. I mean, you can have a, a, a largely successful business with, you know, 10 to 20 clients. And then the, when you mm-hmm. get beyond that, now you have the money to uh, bring on additional coaches, have in-person events, which is really what we're doing now. It's the next phase um, of growth. And we have our, our next summit coming up. I don't know when this is going to air, but if there's any attorneys listening, or go to lawfirmgrowthsummit.com. Our next event is December 5th to 7th. And, um, and if you missed it, um, just go and buy the recordings because it's well worth it. And we're going to have once again, 30 plus, um, experts on stage, but the caliber of expert gets better every time because I have mm. a larger network. I have, I have a track record, but there are people who want to get on our stage. Um, last year we had Mike Michalowicz as one of our keynote speakers. He's, you know, well-known business book author. Um, his book profit first is over my right shoulder here. Um, and, uh, you know, if we want to get into a profit first conversation at some time in this interview, we certainly can. I am a profit first professional. It's one of the things I help my clients, uh, do is to implement profit first, um, which is simply a cash management system if you haven't heard, heard of it. But, uh, you know, we, I wouldn't have even considered having Mike McCallowitz on my stage the first time we did the event. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it's it really what it goes to show is that when you when you're willing to try something and you're willing to fail, it really shows you where your success can be. You know, like you really get to build on it. And so much of business growth and and business uh, maturity comes from being willing to try new things. You know, you and I are going to a, an in person thing together in in Phoenix. Uh, and what I did was is that I I. I purposely booked my ticket to be there a day early this time. I never leave extra time. Like I'm very much a family in and out. My wife doesn't like when I'm out of the house. I, you know, so I like to arrive the day, the day of the event or, or the day before, you know, at night and then leave on the red eye or leave the very next, you know, the, the minute the thing is over, even though I love networking with everybody that's there, I love spending time with them. I'd rather be home. This time I decided I'm going to add a day before because there are some people. First, I have a client in the Arizona area that I really want to meet in person, 
but there are also, you know, some other business contacts that I've met over the years. It would be nice to catch up on. So I, I left myself a day and just yesterday, so we're, we're recording this and we're like a week before this event. And just yesterday I had this sudden epiphany that I have this extra day and it was meant for me to do something. And I really should get my, my ideal client in the door to do a workshop. So I called the hotel and I said, hey, you know, is there are there rooms available that I can rent like, uh, you know, to host a little a little something. And they at first, they, they, you know, they wanted to know how many people. So, you know, I, of course. I, told them, you know, I, I don't I have no idea how many people I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even open up for registration. Right. I'm just like it's a week before the thing. I could have zero for all I know. Um, and they gave me the pricing and, and basically a small room that can hold 15 mm-hmm. people uh, with buying them lunch and with providing coffee and with AV equipment was going to run me about a thousand dollars. Well, that's not too bad, is it? No. And I was like, this is a no brainer because even if I spend a thousand dollars and I don't get one person to show up and I have this room all day long and I could sit there and drink all the coffee I want and <laughs> eat 15 lunches, even if that's, you know, even with that, I've at least learned that I either can't throw this together a week before or I don't have people who want to buy a three-hour workshop, uh, or I need to do a better job promoting it. Right? There's a learning opportunity there just by doing it, putting it out True. there. So I did it. You know, like I signed a contract, gave my credit card, and I've got this room waiting for me when I get there um, that I'm gonna I'm gonna host people in. Um, whether it's my friends that are there to collaborate with me, when, <laughs> you know, in, in the coaching program I'm in, or whether it's my ideal yep. client that's showing up to get a workshop. Either way, it's going to be a win because that's how I look at these decisions in business is there's no such thing as making a mistake mm. because every mistake is something you learn from, something you grow from. Uh, you know, I tell my employees when, you know, when they and, and some of them have made some pretty decent sized mistakes. And, you know, I tell them and, and they think that they're getting fired after that. Right. Like, oh, my gosh, I, right. this, was, this was huge. And, and the one thing I tell them is. Number one, remember that you're human. I could have made the same mistake that you made. Mm-hmm. The one thing I won't tolerate is making the same mistake again. Right? You have <laughs> to learn from it. And if you've learned yeah. from it, we're all good. Like, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a cost to every lesson. You know, and my mother used to say when I was growing up, some kids listen through their ears and some kids listen through their behind. You know, like <laughs> there's there's different ways that we learn, and some of us learn by yeah. making costly monetary mistakes, and some of us learn by making by by engaging with a coach and spending money to learn from somebody else's mistakes and and learn mm-hmm. what not to do. Um, and there isn't a right or wrong way to learn. You probably end up making both uh, in some way, shape, or form. Um, but it's really you know, if I have to look back and look at you know, each each step of my growth. And I don't even want to say my success, right? But I, I mean, there were plenty of years where my growth didn't feel successful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started, I started this in 2014. And, and then people look at you and they're like, oh, wow, you're an overnight success, right? Because all of a sudden they're looking at somebody who's successful. And I still don't feel successful at this stage, right? Yeah. Um, but to other people, I'm a massive success. And that's very interesting that the, the, the color of glasses you put on you know, like this, there's this terminology of, you know, look at this through rose colored glasses. Um, mm. it, you know, it's, it's really the perspective that you put on. Like if you're looking at it from a place of somebody who hasn't yet achieved what you've achieved, 
it's, oh my gosh, look what I've done. If you're looking at it from, look at somebody else who's achieved so much more than me, you feel like you've got nowhere. And you really need to get, get into the habit of remembering where you were so you can celebrate where you are today. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, The Gap and the Gain. I don't know if you read that book. No, I haven't. No, it's the same principle, basically. So living in the gap is basically just looking at the things that, you know, you haven't achieved yet. But if you're living in the gain, then you basically take a look back and take a look at, you know, what you have achieved and how far you've come. So love that. And yeah, I like to use reading a book as an example, right? So when you're reading a book, mm -hmm. beginning, you're looking to see how many pages I have left. Oh my gosh, I have so much of this book left, right? All Mm -hmm. of a sudden, at some point, there's a turning point and you start looking at the book. You're like, wow, look how much I've read. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you see how many pages you've gone through. And I think that business is the same way that like at the beginning, it seems like this insurmountable task. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, look at, look at everything that I've built. You know, I, I have um, six full-time employees now. I have an outsourced sales team that does all of our sales calls for us. That was not something I would have even considered or thought about being a possibility when Mm-hmm. exactly and what i love about you know you're talking about all the mistakes you made and all that stuff it's interesting because if you think about it if it had not been for all of these mistakes you would not be where you are today because those mistakes lead you down a certain path so kind of being grateful for making all these mistakes that leads you to where you are today that's that's powerful you know, that's true for, for business and for life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I'm on my second marriage. I have, you know, an, um, three three grown daughters from my first marriage. And then I have three little kids, say, ages seven to one um, mm-hmm. in my second marriage. And um, yeah, I I made mistakes and, and probably was the cause of, of the end of my first marriage. But I would have never had three more kids. I would never have my wife now. I would never, you know, like the, this, you know, a, a more mature love, a, you know, um, a, a very different, um, you know, life environment. And it, it took going through that painful process to get to where I am today, which is, you know, that's, that's my journey. Everybody's on their own journey. Like you don't have to get divorced to go on that journey, right? <laughs> no. uh, don't go divorcing your spouse because you want to have three more kids. But Um, but, but in, in all reality, it's like, you know, everything that we do, um, has consequence, some of them good, some of them bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and we get to, we, you know, one of the things that, that our coach tells us all the time is, you know, you get to, to put your own meaning on what something means. And, you know, and that's really where what separates the people who are successful from the people who are not is what is the meaning you've assigned to this particular thing? And the people who who are willing to assign a positive meaning, a meaning that, you know, uh, for example, uh, you, I, I, what, I rented this room and nobody buys, you know, nobody buys a seat and I end up being out a thousand bucks. I get to sit in that room and look at it, you know, with tears in my eyes because nobody bought a seat, right? Um, yeah. One way to look at that is, Nobody loves me. I don't have, nobody wants to buy from me. There's no future in my business, right? Um, Mm -hmm. That's that's a meaning placed on what happened. Another way to look at it is, okay, I I have to test a lot of different iterations of this, but one thing I know for sure 
is promoting something a week before I'm doing it, not investigating whether that specific geographic area has my ideal client in it uh, or my ideal clients there, but an audience that already knows who I am, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to get a cold person to show up to a workshop unless they're buddies, right? True. Um, so how many of my podcast listeners are in the Phoenix area? How many people mm-hmm. who have bought from us in the past are in the Phoenix area? And, you know, I didn't do any of that due diligence. I just went on my gut. I made a decision based on my instinct. Like, I, I have this day. There's a reason for it. Let me get this room and see what I can do with it, see what happens. Um, but now, what the result is, everything has to do with how I define the meaning. Mm. Absolutely. So if nobody shows up, what's the meaning behind that? Oh, that, that, you, I mean, that, that you need to do better work beforehand. Well, certainly that I was that <laughs> that I need to drink a lot of coffee because I bought like an unlimited amount of coffee for everybody yeah. for the day. You got food for the entire you know? day, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Fifteen meals I got to go through. Uh, yeah, no, but it, but it, it, in all in all reality, um, I've I already know that there's a lot of reasons why hmm. that room might not get filled. And yeah. it could be my messaging. It could be the amount of time I gave it. It could be the specific geogra- geography that I chose. So all that means is, is that if I'm serious about trying this as, because for me, it's, it, it, it was, it's not about selling the seats of people coming in. I originally was thinking about doing it for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided not to for, for a couple of reasons. We could talk about that if it's helpful. Um, so I'm charging $4.97 for somebody to join me for this workshop. Um, but originally I was going to do it for free because my intention is, is after three hours of a workshop with me, I'm then going to offer you to join my elite coaching program at $21,000 for the year. Um, and for, you know, for, for that, like if I, even if I get one person in the room, there's a potential of getting one client that's paying me. Mm -hmm. And was that worth spending a thousand dollars on? So uh, the one thing that that was really eye opening to me was how inexpensive it was to rent this. That was yeah. the thing that really boggled my mind. And now it's like I'm I'm thinking like I should be doing this every time I need to travel for business. Add mm-hmm. a day, rent a room somewhere, and just put it out there. I'm doing a workshop yeah. and and just see if I start to get traction on these. You know, it's not I wouldn't travel to to a city to do the workshop specifically, mm-hmm. but if I'm going to be there anyway. You know, right. I, it could cover the well cost of the trip. It could, you know, it could, you know, it could expose me to more people who are now more engaged with me. There's so many potential po- possibilities and positive things that can come from it. Um, mm. And and really, I, I wanted to fill the room so badly that I was going to do it for free. The reason I chose to charge is simply because, first of all, there's a cost to it. So, like, why shouldn't I mean, people understand that they should have to pay for it. But mm. but even even without that. If I fill the room with people who got it for free, they may not have been people who were willing to pay for it. And if you're not willing to pay four ninety seven to be for me with me for three hours, how am I going to sell you a twenty one thousand dollar product? Exactly. Right. So um, I put a realistic price tag on it, and we're going to see what happens. And you know, maybe if after three or four days of promotion, nobody takes a seat, I cut the price in half, or you know, something like that. See, play around with the pricing and see if that's what did it. Or turn it into a free event, change it from a workshop to a networking event, um, mm-hmm. and just get to know a bunch of people. You know, so I don't know. I mean, there's there's so many possibilities of what you do with it. 
um, really the moral of, of the whole story is that there's, there's so much you can do when you think outside the box mm-hmm. and all you need to do is, is run with your ideas, like just execute on. Them. Um, so yeah. many of our ideas are like fleeting thoughts. And I'm not saying that every idea you have has merit and every idea is something you should <laughs> act on. But if you have one that you, you really feel is, you know, is, is going to do something for you, you'll never know if you don't do it. And we're so afraid of, of not succeeding, of getting that, the wrong message from it, mm-hmm. that we don't even do it. And then all we do is solidify that exactly the message we're trying to avoid. Right. Like if I didn't Absolutely. do it, I would forever be wondering, are there people in Phoenix who want me for three hours? You know, I would never know. Yeah. And it's easy to, you know, do that. What if uh, it doesn't work out? And like you say, you know, if you don't fill up this room and, and all that stuff and it's all negative and that's what you're kind of attracting. But if you flip down on his head and start thinking, okay, what if I do fill this room up? You know, what if I do sell three coaching packages, you know, or for elite program, I mean, would it be worth it? Obviously, <laughs> yeah, it would be, <laughs> you know, so there's that, that is a possibility as well. But, you know, just being able to see what the possibilities are and what you can learn from this is super powerful, just like you said. So, yeah. And, and, and even the break even is like, I only need two seats, right? <laughs> I need two people at 497 and I practically have broken even on the event. So, yeah. You know, like, and they can each have um, seven lunches each. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. They could take over a week's worth of food. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned earlier that, you know, there was this leap from, you know, struggling so hard in your business to suddenly, you know, in a year you can have that sudden success. Um, is that something you've seen a lot in online space or is that just, in the brick and mortar kind of space or, you know, maybe both. I don't know. Yeah, that's a very good question. And um, what's interesting is in the online space, it can it can be drastic. Like mm. you can go and and the truth is, is that I had an attorney client who went from 83,000 of revenue in one year to over a million in the next year. So that's that same wow. meteoric rise. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had such a unique offering, you know, like, she 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 honed in on something that was so unique that nobody was doing and apparently it was a raging problem um so she she um helped people with something called rage porn so mm-hmm. if two people are in, in a and you know in a consensual relationship and then they take video of you know of sexual activity and then they break up sometimes somebody who really is angry at the other person will take that video and put it up online for people right? wherever. That's called rage porn. So uh-huh. she developed a whole business of, you know, basically like give us $10,000 and we'll issue takedown notices to all the different providers and we'll get that stuff mm-hmm. off the web. And, you know, um, and that, that business just, I mean, overnight, just took off for her well i have no Um, doubts that there's a lot of that happening around the world (laughs) yeah um but so so to answer your question it it can happen in any industry because you can hit if you hit the right offer and you hit the right Mm -hmm. like and and there and the need is there um you know you could have people lining up at the door to to give you their money Um, but there has to be like a scalable system and process behind it 
mm-hmm. you know, so so she also had a very um, a very very scalable model because a lot of the work that was doing didn't require her as an attorney to be doing it. So she was able to right. ramp up staff quickly, train them on what needed to be done, um, mm-hmm. and and roll with the punches. Um, in the online space, the only thing you need to add as more people come in in the typical selling a course, selling a membership is customer service. Like there's yeah. more people to answer their questions when they have a problem, there's a billing issue, things like that. There are places like the coaching program we're in where he adds more coaches if there's more people, like he wants to have a certain mm-hmm. ratio of coach to person in the group. But tip, the typical course that you're selling, you're not selling coaching with it. You're not selling supports with it in that way. You know, maybe there's something that you provide on social media. So maybe you need a social media manager. But it really, it's not something that requires scale on, on the, your business side in order to support all of this influx of sales. So what's interesting is, is when you compare the online industry to any service-based business, um, you know, brick and mortar, uh, products-based business, all of those things, the inventory is something that requires more effort, energy, or money. And when you're selling knowledge-based products, there is no no additional cost for additional sold. So essentially what you've done is, is you've, you know, you, you've taken, um, the manufacturing process out of a product, right? Like I sell sunglasses, Mm -hmm. but every time I need sunglasses, they appear. Like I don't have to buy (laughs) them. Right. And that's what happens when you're selling, when you're selling those kinds of digital products is, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I just, just make more of them. I just issue another license. Um, and you know, and there are some other things that work like that, like royalties for books or mm-hmm. or patent royalties right like you do the you make the effort once you put out a work and now people continue to pay you to access that work um so it's not like that's a new model that didn't exist before um but most most people who think of business and start a business are not they're not doing that and and when you're not doing that the growth is slower but here's the key and the key is is that I could take two attorneys and one of them can can get their firm from zero to a million in 12 months and the other one can take 20 years and finally arrive at a million dollars annual. And they can offer the exact same service offering. They can mm-hmm. offer the exact same level of support. And that's and that's what happens. And that the difference between those two is simply the first one who did it in in 20 years or the second one who did it in 20 years they simply went out and did the work mm-hmm. and hoped for the best waited for the word of mouth to grow and eventually this person knows about me this person knows about me this person knows about me now i start getting referrals every once in a while from those people and that network grows over uh, over time slowly but surely and eventually i start to have my phone ringing off the hook which takes years mhm the other one recognizes that if I want to have a million dollars in revenue, there's no way I'm doing that myself. I need to hire another attorney. I need to hire a marketing agency to, to, to get, you know, to get cases in the door. I need to hire mm-hmm. somebody to do sales. They call it intake to do sales. Um, you know, I need to, and if I build out this team of a salesperson, 
a paralegal, a, a, a you know, a, a legal secretary, uh, an attorney, um, you know, and I, and I take these five people that I've mapped out that I need, they're going to cost me, I don't know, like 300000 right? Or three fifty. But I can make a million dollars off of it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I put on that hat and I and I think about what you know what it took to run a million dollar business, I now know what I need to do. I'm willing to invest four thousand dollars a month in marketing because I understand that that's only five percent of my hundred thousand dollars, and that's a perfectly normal and acceptable amount to spend on marketing for a million dollar business. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other attorney, when he looks at what are my options for marketing? I can get myself a website for a hundred bucks or I could hire a marketing agency for $4,000. I don't even have a dollar coming in. I'm not going to spend $4,000 on a marketing agency. And that's where they operate from. And they wait yeah. until they're successful enough to be able to make that investment, which never happens. Mm-hmm. So it's really being willing to take the risks and make the investments before you're ready for them. Because yeah. you understand the vision that they can create. You understand the, the, the future version of your business that they can create. The online business is no different. Um, no, it's just it's, uh, in different ways. Thing. Instead of spending mm-hmm. your money with a marketing agency, instead of spending your money with hiring an attorney, you might hire yourself an integrator. You might spend a ton of money on Facebook ads um, because you understand that that should be turning into dollars for you. Um, now, the, one of the huge mistakes that online businesses make is they think, uh, first of all, everyone tries to do everything themselves. So, like, you try to become a Facebook ads expert, which is the dumbest thing in the world if you think about it. Like, you're going to spend $50,000 this year on Facebook ads, and you're not willing to spend another ten to have somebody do it for you effectively. Mm-hmm. So, instead, you're going to try to make believe that you know as much as the marketing person who's been doing this their entire career next door, and you're going to achieve the same result. Um, so there's a lot of the there's a lot of things that happen in the online industry that you know like all these different people are teaching you here's how to do this here's how to do this and we spend so much time in the first couple of years of my business I bought over forty five thousand dollars worth of courses because I was learning how to do everything yeah and all it took was one BBD live. One person saying one thing that made me realize it's all about who's doing it, not how. And that was when I hired my first VA, and I haven't stopped building my team since. Um, and, and it's very simply this. It's the more things that I can get someone else to do, the more likely it's done well, the more likely it's scalable and can handle the increased capacity I need. And the more that I try to figure out how to do things myself, the less sleep I'm getting, the less time I'm spending with my family, and the crappier my stuff is because I'm not going to be the expert at everything. And I might be eventually after 20 years, but I'll be that attorney who took 20 years to become you know, a million-dollar revenue stream, <laughs> right? It's Yeah, that that's like the slowest way that you can grow. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so I, I do think that People are, as business owners, you need to be willing to invest capital. You need to invest in the right places. You have to make some good decisions. But 
you shouldn't be tr trying to learn how to do these things. You should be figuring, finding somebody who's very good at it, has been successful in the past, and let them do it for you. Um, you know, even when I decided to run our first virtual event, first I bought a course on how to do it. Mm -hmm. Then I met somebody in the Facebook group of that course who does it for people. And then I made the very, very difficult decision to invest with him $15,000 to have him coordinate the entire production of the event. Mm -hmm. And it was the best money I ever spent. Yeah. We ended but up at the same time, if you hadn't bought that course, you might not gotten to that point where you actually invested in someone else. That this is true, um, but had I had I started from there, looking for somebody to do it, I probably would have found somebody, and they would have had the knowledge. They would have known what needed to be done. I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing buying courses. I love taking courses, I <laughs> no, love no. learning them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like there's there's a difference between learning because you want to know more and you want to have the knowledge to ask the right questions versus mm -hmm. learning and then thinking you need to execute on everything yourself. And, I, and something and, and about just learning thing. the basics too, you know. I mean, if you're running Facebook ads, you need to know, you know, what are we looking at? What, what's when is the Facebook ads performing good or bad? You know, you need to know that stuff as well. Otherwise, it's it's no help. Yes and no. You know what I mean? Like, like I agree with you to an extent, but I, but then I ask you, like, do you think that the CEO of pick an American company that that, that an American publicly traded company that you know really well? Any any company? Name one. Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Pick one. <laughs> Tesla. Sure. You know Tesla. You heard of them? Yeah. They make cars with batteries. Right. Do you think that the CEO of Tesla, Elon Musk, knows what the Facebook ads manager looks like? Probably not. Probably not. But or do you could, think that say he's he signing doesn't. off on a billion, multi-billion dollar ads budget? Absolutely. Is he doing it blindly? I wouldn't say yes, that he does that, because there's probably people who already double checking something or yeah i mean there's people who have already proved this that he trusts i guess he, i i yeah i think it's possible that he's just trusting somebody and not even looking at it that's certainly a possibility yeah. but more 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 than likely he's being presented with a very high level view set of numbers to understand where that money is going what it's converting at and what it's turning into in revenue dollars yeah and, I mean, the return on the investment, that's basically what he's looking at. Okay, am I right, making money back right, but, on this? Fine. Let's. So he has somebody who prepares that and presents it to him, right? Mm -hmm. That's probably his CMO, his chief marketing officer, right? But when you, so if you go and engage somebody to run Facebook ads for you, you, you should expect and make sure it's clear that, this, that they plan to do this, that they're going to give you a high-level overview of how your ads are performing. And they should be educating you on what the numbers mean and, and whether this is good or bad or, you know, and, and, and how the, the tweaks should happen. Is it better to know more? It's always better to know more. But think about it this way. Like, if you know a little bit of medical knowledge, does that make you a better patient or a worse patient for your doctor when you're there, right? Well, it's like, going to be worse. Like some, you don't want to go to Google and see right, sometimes knowing are. Sometimes knowing a little bit actually makes you more dangerous than, than yeah. being an expert. Um, 
So there's there's a fine line between I want to educate myself and I want to know more, mm-hmm. and I don't want to know enough that I end up sticking my nose where it doesn't belong, kind of thing, right? Like sure. um, our most successful experiences with outsourced ads managers is when we basically shared our vision, shared our numbers, our goals with them, and just let them run with it. Mm-hmm. And when I start micromanaging the process and saying, hey, I noticed that you turned on this ad and this ad and and I don't understand why, you know, you have this audience. I think this is a mistake. Those don't do so well. Mm-hmm. Not because my input is not valuable, but because it makes them think that you don't trust them. So they're automatically not going to try to do their best to make your thing. Like you, you've, you've given them the, the hat to hang on like, mm-hmm. oh, this wasn't successful because you stuck your nose in and gave me your input, right? Like, had you just let me run with it, I'd, you'd be just as successful as all the other clients, right? So um, there's that. It, it's a give and take. And, and um, I'm, you know, I, I'm not saying that there isn't a place for all these different courses. I think that there is. But I think that somebody who's teaching people how to run ads should be like the people who are buying that should be people who want to run ads as a profession for other people, mm. right? Like there's a very basic introductory level that you need to know to understand how Facebook tracks it and how the metrics are are measured and what mm. they mean that doesn't require you to have to understand how to pick the, you know, which objective are we picking and, and, and is it, you know, are we paying for the for the entire budget of the thing or are we doing it per ad set? And, you know, like all of those decisions are, are things you don't need to be involved in. Um, and somebody else can can figure that out and do it better than you. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're going to be busy tinkering with with your ads, what are you not doing? Like wh- like all that time you're spending with it, what wh- what could you have been doing that would have been more productive? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's this old thing, like like what's your hourly rate? Um, you know, and, and once again, our, our coach goes into this with us at, at our various, you know, every once in a while, he goes into this, this discussion. Like if you take the total revenue of your business for a year and divide it by 2000 hours, which is a typical amount of time, maybe you're spending less time. Maybe you're only a thousand hours a year, or maybe you're spending more time, you're 4,000 hours. But if you, if you take where you're at now and divide all that time. Uh, in there, you'll get an hourly rate. And if you take where you want to be and divide it by that time, you'll get what your hourly rate should be. So maybe you're earning 100000 in 2,000 hours and your hourly rate is 50 bucks, right? Or maybe you're earning a million in 2,000 hours or let's say 1,000 hours, right? And now your rate's $1,000. Mm-hmm. So now every time that you do something, you have to ask yourself, is this something that somebody who's getting paid $1,000 an hour would do? And the moment that you can pay somebody less to do it, now maybe not if you're paying them 900 an hour, maybe you would decide to keep that yourself, right? But if it's 50, 100 bucks an hour, you would hand mm-hmm. that off. My time is worth 900. But the only way you get to a million is because you freed up all your time to be able to focus on the rest, to focus on the big level things that are going to move the needle to drive that revenue, not the little day-to-day things that we, you know, so many people do their own graphics on Canva, right? Like I've 
I have a VA who I hired in 2017, and she was uncomfortable doing graphics when I first asked her, hey, can you do this? Mm -hmm. She learned. She learned over time. She's really, really good at it now. Well, she does all of our graphics. I've been in Canva a few times when, you know, my wife needed something for the kids or whatever, and I just, you know, it was the wrong times. So I couldn't send it to my Filipino VA, right? But the reality is, is, is it, you know, it, I, would, I would be wasting so much valuable time if I was futzing around with Photoshop or Canva or any of these programs because it's, not what, it's, it's just not my area of expertise. You know, if it lit yep. me up and excited me or whatever, and I wanted to be busy with it, that's fine. You know, but most most things that business owners hold on to are not things they enjoy. You know, like I run an accounting firm, right? You, you, you should be outsourcing your bookkeeping. There's very few business owners that actually should be doing their own books. Yeah. And they're the ones who are the nerds, right? Like you geek out on numbers. Mm -hmm. you, you feel like you need to be in there just, be, just because that's your de-stressor at the end of the day. Great. Go to your own books. But for the rather 98% of you, just hire a freaking bookkeeper and let them do your books for you. Don't even mess around in it. I mean, what ends up happening is you don't do it because you don't like to. So at least this way it gets done. Absolutely. Um, I want to say that we had a really interesting conversation. I think we could probably go on for a couple more hours, but uh, we got to you know, try to wrap this up. But um, how can people get in touch with you and work with you if they need your services? Yeah. So, um, I mean, the best thing is I'm a podcast host. Go listen to my show, Profit With Law. You can find it on any podcast player or also at ProfitWithLaw.com. Um, and then, as mentioned, I, I don't know when this is going to air, but our next Law Firm Growth Summit is in December. Um, at, at the current minute that it's being recorded, it, it's a waitlist page, but it's going to open up for registrations within the next week and a half of this recording. Um, so you can go to lawfirmgrowthsummit.com. And if you're curious to see what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, you know, I have no problem with you registering and signing up. Even if you're not a law firm, you're welcome to come and join us. Um, you know, we have uh, vendors that sponsor the event. Uh, the initial tickets that you get are free. So uh, when you register, you get a free ticket. And then we then try to sell you a paid ticket that gives you access to more things. Uh, so there's no harm in, in registering and signing up for that. Uh, so if anybody listening to this is just curious about what we're doing and how we're doing it, and you want to see uh, the process, uh, you certainly are welcome to, uh, to check it out at Law Firm Growth Summit. Awesome. Uh, we'll make sure we link that up in the show notes so people have something to click on. And um, thank you once again for the great conversation we had today. And uh, thank you very much for listening to it. Thank you so much for listening to the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. Now, if you like this episode, I would really appreciate if you left a review over on iTunes. And secondly, head on over to Instagram and connect with me at Ken Westgar. That's K-E-N-W-E-S-T-G-A-A-R-D. And drop me a DM and tell me all about your launch. And I'll catch you in the next episode.